I want you to think back to that first time you stood up in front of a classroom and had to give a presentation or recite a speech. Can you remember what it felt like with all of those eyes staring at you for just a second? Good. Now take that feeling and multiply it by millions upon millions, because that's what my guest Ken Bevel did. A guy who is still serving as an officer in the United States Marine Corps, when somebody said to him, hey, would you be willing to read a script and to audition for a major motion picture with some pretty impressive stars in it? And the first time that Ken walks on set, he's got hundreds of eyes, cameras, lights, microphones all in his face. Imagine the feeling. Well, you're going to get a chance to hear about that and a whole lot more from a guy that I have the greatest respect for, a friend of mine, a Marine and an actor turned minister, Ken Bevel, on this episode of Unbeatable. Before we get into the interview for this episode, I want to invite you to go with me on the trip of a lifetime, and that is not an exaggeration. I've spent more than the last year building a tour of the Holy Land that never existed before. This is what we're calling the unbeatable adventure, where we're going to repel, we're going to climb cliffs, we're going to ride mountain bikes through the countryside, we're going to swim in the Dead Sea, we're going to climb trails, we're going to spend nights under the stars and spend days in luxury hotel rooms, we'll be in fishing boats on the Sea of Galilee. This is basically everything that you could want to do with action and adventure adventure in Israel, plus all of the world's great historical sites there. And the dates for this trip are March 17th through the 27th. I want to invite you to come along. We built this trip so no matter where you live in the world, all you need to do is buy plane tickets and show up in Israel on day one. And from there, we pay for and we take care of everything. Hey, if this epic tour sounds like something you're interested in, why don't you go over to Signature Tours and search for the unbeatable Holy Land Adventure with Jeff Struber. Starts March 17th and it runs until the 27th. I would love to see you there with me. Now, let's get into my interview with my buddy, Ken Bevel. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life and become unbeatable. Ken, thank you so much for carving some time out of a busy schedule to be with me on this episode of Unbeatable. Well, man, Jeff, I am grateful to be here, grateful for your leadership and how the Lord is using you. So, so man, thank you for having me. I'm just looking forward to you know, linking up with guys today. Well, bro, every time I get a chance to spend a little bit of the time talking to you, I usually walk mm -hmm. away more uh, fired up. Uh, so you're <laughs> one of those guys that I enjoy uh, spending my time with, man. And I'm, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Well, well, Jeff, you know, man, I think, you know, the Lord used the military for guys like us to put us yep. at the tip of the spear, uh, to see things happen, see lives change. And so, uh, man, 
as equal as you have said that for me, the same thing goes for you, man. You've been such an inspiration. As a matter of fact, I don't know what the rest of the guys out there have seen, but when I saw you on Fox the other day, I was like, go, oh, Jeff, come go. On, man. You know? All right. And so we were praying for you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Um, I, I Listen, man, you and I have known each other for a while. We have yeah. had a good, you know, kind of a friendship from yeah. a distance. We're in the same state. We're just about an hour yeah, and a yeah. half apart from one another. Yeah, yeah. But there's a couple yeah. of questions that I have always wanted to ask you, and we've just never had uh -oh. the time to ask. So I got to know, and here's how we, uh, here's what I want to hear first. The very first day that you were on the set of the film yeah. um, Fireproof, I got to know yes. what's going through your mind. Because for the listener out there, we're talking to a career Marine and somebody who played the tree, which means you don't get to move, let <laughs> alone talk in a preschool play. Yeah. And now you're in yeah. a major motion picture with a, a huge star like Kirk Cameron. And uh, I, I just got, man, you got to take me back to the very first day on the set and tell me what that felt like for you. Jeff, I just want to say you just brought back some very bad memories, uh, scary sure, of memories. Course I did. It's like, you could, you it's can like trust mama, me to, to go to the bad days yeah, uh, right away. It, it, it's like mama make the bad man stop. But I'll tell you, I was, when we were on the scene of uh, Fireproof, it was, it was at that moment as a Marine where you realize, man, I just got myself into something. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get what myself out I of it. I just do to myself, right? Exactly, exactly. And so, so we get on the scene and I'm looking around, first time seeing cameras. I mean, just brand new to all of this. Hold on. And I'm looking around. You've yes. never really filmed anything before never, the first day ever. on the set? Oh, my Not goodness. Not even Polaroid, nothing, no cameras involved. And, I, and I'm standing there. I'm, I'm just in amazement. I'm like, man, I'm really getting ready to mess some stuff up here. So we go inside of the house. Alex says, hey, can't come inside. We want to just want to walk through the scene. I walk in, there are 20 to 30 people looking directly at me. There's cameras everywhere. They said, don't look in the camera, which automatically makes you look into the camera. And so, and man, I start with my lines and brother, I'm stuttering, I'm sweating, oh, I'm repeating imagine. stuff. I cannot forget. I, and I got Kirk Cameron standing there, veteran. I got Aaron Bethay standing yep, there, veteran, yep. and then you got me. And I'm like, Lord, I'm really about to mess some <laughs> stuff up. So it was a pretty scary moment. But, what? you know, the Lord delivered me in that. Yeah. I, I Listen, I've been behind the camera a time or two, mm -hmm. but I still remember yeah. what it felt like those first few times. And, and like you, yeah. I would rather, this is no exaggeration, I would rather be <laughs> shot at in a firefight yeah. than standing <laughs> up behind the big lights <laughs> and the big cameras of the movie screen. And I've been I thinking agree. about you like, man, that first yeah. couple of weeks on the set must have been yes. terrifying for yes. you. Yes. Well, Jeff, I'm going to tell you the saving grace behind all that. You know, you know, after Alex yelled cut about three to four times, Stephen, Stephen Kendrick and I walked outside and man, I can just remember this day. It's just so vivid. Stephen Kendrick and I walked outside and he says, hey, man, don't try to be anybody you're not. Just you utilize the gifts that God has given you. And Stephen and I, on the set of that particular scene, we knelt down and we prayed. And from that day on, God just started giving me everything I needed. It was like rapid fire. And so, man, I can't take any of the credit. The Lord gave me everything I needed, man. I, I'm not exaggerating at all. So, well, that great. brilliant advice that Stephen gave you, that works mm -hmm. in every terrifying situation. Yes. 
Yes, yes. I I really want the listeners to know, man, it takes some physical courage to go on the battlefield and get shot at. It takes a lot of personal courage to stand up behind cameras and know what I'm doing is going to be seen by hundreds of millions of people. And that'll make (laughs) a grown man pee in his pants just (laughs) a little bit. It really will. (laughs) You you are right. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. How did you how did you get how did Alex and Stephen Kendrick for the 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 listeners who yeah. don't know the the brothers yeah. behind this Sherwood yeah. Pictures franchise how did you get connected to them in the first place Well Jeff I, you know man I don't know if I if we shared this part of the testimony but man my wife and I we were in California we were in Monterey before we came to Albany Georgia and uh man we were we had a list of things that we were praying for and men if you're out there listening to this podcast man i want you to write this down we we were we had so many unknowns about our future and we started we said well god what do you want us to do and so we got a five by eight card and man we wrote down every prayer request that we had and we started praying over those things man and we just started seeing god answer questions uh answer answer the questions and man, it was just phenomenal. And one of those things was, you know, Lord, where do we want to be at next? And and so the Lord brought us to Albany, Georgia. And and I know a lot of guys out there are probably saying, did the Lord speak to you? Was it like this audible voice? Was it like a booming voice? But guys, it was really like a confirmation through a multiple of things, multiple counsel of the Lord showing us Albany was where we need to go. So we go to Sherwood and this church is talking about movies. I'm like, why is a church yeah, talking about be scratching movies? your head right yes. now? Like, are, yes. Am I hearing this correctly? Absolutely. So I'm sitting there listening and they're talking about these movies. And so I'm talking to a guy that I know. He said, well, the church makes movies. I said, man, you, you got to be kidding on, me. Right? I've never on, heard of a church right? making movies. Yes. And so, and so he gives me the movies. I take them home. And Jeff, remember, I'm still in the Marine Corps at the time. I'm like, man. I'm not watching these movies. Christian movies That's are right. bad acting, you, bad quality. You and I had the exact same attitude until yes. Sherwood Pictures. Yeah. Yes, you're right. You're right. And so, and so, man, we took them home, my wife and I, and man, we're crying. We're looking at the movies. We're, I mean, man, it's like we're chopping onions in the living room. It I mean, fl- we are just balling. It was Flywheel, right? That was the movie that you were yes. watching at home? Yeah. Yes. Sure. Yes. We watched Flywheel, and I'm like, bring the other one. Put the other one in. And so we put... <laughs> Facing the Giants uh-huh. and the same thing. The Lord just really, I mean, it was it was incredible. Both of them were incredible. And so that's how our life kind of transitioned into Sherwood and how we saw about the movies and different things like that. We're going to talk about the time that you spent a, a career in the United States Marine Corps. For a lot yeah. of the listeners out there, unless you spent yeah. some time in the Marine Corps, they don't know that there is an active duty yeah. United States Marine logistics base in Albany, <laughs> Georgia. It's that's a, right. It's a it's a very small military base, but it's a very tight knit community. And you really get a chance right. to, you know, be in the, in uniform, but live like a, you know, a civilian at the same That's time. Right. It's a, it's a That's very right. few opportunities like that in the military. That's right. That's right. That's right. So somebody, let me get this right. Somebody at Sherwood says, Hey, we're looking mm-hmm. for people for the next movie. Is that what happened? What? And well, you raise your I'm going to tell you. No, I'm, I'm going to tell you what happened. Well, we we were sitting we were sitting in the worship center after I saw the movies. After I went to church and saw everybody in the movies, um, we're sitting down a couple months later, and they say we believe the Lord is leading us to do another movie, and the name of that movie is going to be Fireproof. And so Alex is an incredible storyteller. So he's telling the story of Fireproof, 
And man, I'm sitting back there. I in the very back of the church, and I'm like, "Wow, this is incredible." This, and I turned to my wife, Jeff, and I was like, "I could be an actor in this movie." And she's like, "Will you please <laughs> be said, quiet? Are, are you, you out of your mind?" Yeah, yes. And so she says that, and I'm thinking, like, man, I would, I could be an actor in this movie. Jeff, no lie, Stephen Kendrick walks up to my wife after the after they finish that, and she says. You know, we know you guys just got here. Do you think your husband would mind really? auditioning for one the part of one of the firefighters? No way. No lie. Yes. And she's like, well, you could just ask him because he's just been talking about it. And so that's how I got the, an opportunity to audition for the movie. I did terrible in the audition, but they said, hey, we're not looking for actors. We're looking for people that just want to make a stand for work. So Yeah. And you and I have had the privilege of getting to know and to respect Alex and Stephen and what they do is they use real people and they draw out of real people, real stories. And then they have a way of telling it and putting it on the screen that keeps you engaged. And I love the fact that it's not always about getting the big stars in there. Now, they That's do right. have big stars like Priscilla yeah, Sire yeah. and yeah. Oh, yeah. Cameron and others. <laughs> but for them, most of the movie is people like you, Ken, and others that have never acted a day in their life that are walking on set with a major production and ending up, you know, spending weeks in the box office, literally weeks or months in the box office after it's over with because of really God's hand on the whole thing. That, that That's the key right there. That's the secret sauce. God's hand in the whole process. You're, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. All right. So now I get an idea of why mm -hmm. you would be crazy enough. And I'm using this language person. Uh, <laughs> why you'd be yeah. crazy enough to say, I think I could act in a movie because yeah, there you, you, go. <laughs> you hand me a script that thick. I'm going to be like, dude, I am not your guy. Whatever this is, I'm not your guy to do it. I well, can Jeff, do it from the cuff. Literally... I can do it from the cuff for about 30 yeah. seconds. Everything after that, I'm not your guy. Well, you know, initially... You know, I didn't even read the script as much to, to, to know that I had that big of a part in it. So I'm thinking <laughs> they, like, hey, I'm going to be in 30 you in. seconds. They reeled you in yeah. on this one. So I'm thinking 30 seconds. I'm just like you. I'm in and out, you know, but, you know, it came out to be much bigger than that. And so the Lord used it. Yeah. And obviously uh, he took what you did and made it work because, man, Fireproof had a massive influence on marriages. And then the movie Courageous comes out after that. And I love the fact that you're in that movie from the first scene to the last scene. And I think really, Ken, and I'm, I mean this, you're a friend of mine, but I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. You should have been in that movie from the beginning to the end because of how well you handled that role. Let's talk about movie project number two. Uh, describe a little bit about what it felt like to get started with Courageous. Well, well, man, courageous, you know, and, and Jeff, I got to tell you, man, and you know this, but I, I want to make sure the listeners know, man, I was still an active duty Marine officer through this entire time. I mean, we've got wars going on, uh -huh. and, you know, this I'm traveling the of Iraq to Iraq and Afghanistan. Yes, yep. yes. And so I'm thinking to myself, there is no way they're going to allow me to do this. But the Lord stopped my travel. He stopped orders. He stopped everything, allowed me to do this, take leave and do this for all those that are listening that may be thinking like, how did that happen? He allowed me to take leave and do that and then go back to duty, go to Afghanistan and then come back, you know, and shoot courageous and go on leave and then come back. And so the Lord, man, he, he just 
opened up some doors that I never could have opened in my entire life. I had no idea that you deployed after the movies came out. Holy smokes, man. I, I can't imagine. Where were you in, in, in <laughs> Afghanistan after Courageous? Uh, because chances are you and I were in the same place at the same time. Yeah. So, so first I went to, to um, Kuwait and I spent uh -huh. some time in Kuwait because we had a lot of, we were doing the exchange between yeah. Iraq and Afghanistan. Right. And then I went over to um, uh, Bagram and spent a lot of time in Bagram um, because that's where most of our stuff was coming in via flight. And so I spent a lot of time there. So yeah. definitely you and I were probably yeah. on the opposite sides of Disney street or Disney road, the, yeah, the, the yeah, main road that's right. up and down Bagram that's right. uh, while you that's were over right. there. Okay. Yeah, listen, yeah. man, I, I didn't even know this was a thing. Um, but when I was in Afghanistan, I had lots of people that recognized my name from and, and Iraq, lots of people that recognized my name from Black Hawk Down. And of course, I had some people that wanted to treat me like, uh, you know, a celebrity. But I, I reminded them I didn't act in that movie and nobody paid me one penny for it. There was an actor who made a lot of money just using my name. He's the celebrity. I'm, not. <laughs> He's a I'm celebrity. just a soldier. <laughs> so now I got this image in my mind of Ken. You've already been all over the big screen, and everybody who's seen those movies recognizes your face when you step off of that plane into Kuwait or into Bagram, Afghanistan. I know there had to have been some people that uh, recognized you and were scratching their heads when they saw you getting off the airplane, going deploying again. Yeah, it, it was funny because, you know, I would go into these meetings, you know, with the G4, G3. You guys, if you've been in the military, you know those terms, operations or logistics. And, and I'm sitting in the movie and sitting in a meeting and people are looking at me like, man, I know you from somewhere. I just can't <laughs> put my finger on We served together it. before. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so and so there was a particularly funny time I had. I was sitting in a meeting. And I'm briefing and this colonel says, man. I know you were in that movie, weren't you? And he tells everybody. Oh, that the must best have thing been is, so embarrassing. Well, it was cool, Jeff, because I got a chance to share the gospel nice. to everybody that was in there yes. talking about it. So, yeah, so so it was it oh, was really man. cool. But but man, the Lord used that incredibly. He opened up some doors that I could never open, and um, and so man, we just saw a lot of fruit from that, and so. I was just grateful to be a part of it. I couldn't believe I was a part of it. Never would have thought that the movie would do so well. Um, but man, God using it and still using it. And so yeah. I'm just grateful. Fireproof did touch mm -hmm. a lot of marriages and courageous touched a lot of parents and especially dads. It courageous really called dads out on the way that they're living. Um, and I just wonder, do you have, did you have people then, do you still have people come up to you and say, Hey man, that movie made a big difference in my life. Uh, man, I, I can go into gang infested neighborhoods and guys will stop me that are in gangs and say, hey, you are, you're that guy. Uh, a lot of prisons that I go into, guys know me, you know, that are in prison. Uh, and, and it just kind of talks about how the Lord used that movie and take, take it, you know, took it to each and every area and, and just allowed it to impact families and men because man, that's just so important, Jeff. And, and you and I both know this. Men, men don't just wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I'm just going to be a loser today. I'm going to, I'm going to beat my kids. I'm going to abuse my wife. I'm going to, men don't wake up like that. They wake up with purpose. And so, man, when they made courageous, I, I was looking at it like, man, God, how can I step up my game and be the man who you called me to be? And so 
courageous really called out the man and a lot of people, but then it also opened up a lot of fatherhood wounds with a lot of ladies, a lot of guys. And so, man, I, I mean, it's just a phenomenal movie. You know, we break it out every now and then and look at it, but God really used courageous in a number of ways and he's still using it. So, okay, so it's been so good. People ask me this one all the time and you just said it. So I'm yeah. going to ask you, 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 you mm-hmm. take the movies out sometimes and you watch it with friends and, um, yeah. you, you still sit down and watch the movies. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, man, are y'all playing that again? Yeah. Oh, come All on, right. please. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they, they still play it. My kids like to watch it. You know, my son, I don't know if you know, my son is the actual baby at the beginning of the movie. And that so was really your when son? I get that was really my no. son. And so when we get when we get carjacked, that is my son wow. in the back of the truck. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'm just going to give you guys a little teaser. You know, they have the new movie, The Forge, coming out yep. next year. Mm-hmm. And he's actually standing beside me in The Forge. And so oh, they'll get so a chance cool, to see man. him again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm telling you this because people have said, do you and your family sit down and watch Black Hawk Down together? And I'm like, are you kidding me? My daughter is a grown <laughs> woman that has never seen the movie in her life. And she really? said she plans to go the rest of her life and never see it. She said, I've heard wow. dad talk about it so much. I don't even wow. need to watch the movie. Um, hey man you look you you're really open about your relationship with your wife you've got an amazing wife and uh an an incredible relationship but it's not like it didn't take some work and fireproof uh challenged you a little bit about the kind of husband you were but courageous also challenged you a little bit about your relationship with your dad so can we talk about those things for a few Absolutely. And, and, and Jeff, I'm just going to be honest, man, because I think I think guys need honesty. And, and sometimes um, and I'm talking to the listeners, guys, and you see guys like Jeff or myself and you think, man, I'm, you know, these guys have probably never had problems, never doubted, you know, and and guys, that is just so that far. From the absolutely. Truth, we're, not we're, the case. Yes, yep. man. We're ordinary guys that have been walking through life's issues just like everybody else. And man, you know, when I married my wife, man, things were good. And, you know, as long as all my needs were met, things were good. And man, right around year seven, we just hit a really tough spot. And, and man, I wanted to leave. And my wife was like, no, you're not going to leave. And I'm like, man, you know, I was like, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do this. This is, this is like impossible. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, I had one foot out the door. I'm just being completely honest. I had one foot out the door. And uh, my wife picked up a good a book. It's called The Power of a Praying Life. All right. And she Stormy started Martin, reading right? that book. Yes, Stormy Martin. And my wife started reading that book. And guys, I will tell you, God started changing my heart and started bringing me back to a good and intimate relationship with my wife. And one of the verses that he consistently brought to my mind was Ephesians 5 and 25. And guys, if you don't know this scripture, I want to encourage you to write it down, put it on your dashboard somewhere, put it in your wallet. Uh, husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. And and man, when I started reading that scripture and start just memorizing it and just looking at it day to day, man, God opened up my heart and gave me a renewed love for my wife and I could start loving her as Christ loved the church. Because myself, Ken, doesn't know how to do that. Um, And so God wanted me, and get this, guys, God wanted to love my wife 
through me. And so I had to be open and ready to receive God loving my wife through me. And so I had to be that conduit. In order to be that conduit, I had to get all those things out of my life that meant, that didn't mean me well and that were being a hindrance to our relationship. And so, so man, that was the that was the point in my life, Jeff, where, man, God just really turned around. And now we're on year 27. And, uh, man, I can't say that, man, everything is just, you know, uh, sweets and roses every day. But God is transforming my heart every day to love my wife more and more. I, I have a chance to see you guys on occasion and you have a beautiful wife. You have an amazing uh, two amazing children, but it all came with hard work. And Ken, since you're just being real, I'm going to be real, too. Man, it got hard more than a few times in my marriage. And like you, um, I'm we're going on 33 years now, and it has been a lot of hard work during those 33 years. I watched my buddies in the Army. And when it started to get hard, here's what they did. Because these were Army Rangers and really, really good at the military and, frankly, really good at killing, they just ran away from their marriage and ran to the military. And they started burying their head in the military and ignoring their marriage. And then it really turned south on them. And more than a few of those guys, after the divorce and many years after their marriage just crumbled and dissolved in front of them, they had to look themselves in the mirror and say, I did this. It's not her fault. I turned to the military. I ran to my job because it was no fun at home. And I was having fun at work, jumping out of airplanes, blowing stuff up. And I, I'm the reason why my marriage didn't make it. And when one or two of the, and these were some really senior guys. And when one or two of those guys made statements like that to me as a young sergeant in the army, I just decided I don't want to be that guy, man. No matter how bad this is, no matter how much work this is, I want to work through it because I don't want to look myself in the mirror 10 years from now and say, it's my fault because I ran to, to my career instead of doing the hard work that this relationship deserves. So that's right. Dude, that's right. thank you for being real with everybody. That's um, right. No, you're absolutely right, Jeff. You are a career warrior. And a guy that I have ma uh, major respect for because of your character and your faith as much as your service. But I got mad respect for the United States Marine Corps. So let's talk about, let's go way back in time for a few and talk about 17-year-old Ken Bevel in high school and looking at that Marine recruiter's uniform saying, I don't know, man, that looks really good. Talk, take us back to joining the Marine Corps. Uh, well, 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 I, well, I will tell you, this was BC, Ken. That means before Christ, Ken. So right. it, it wasn't a good picture, but hey, it is what it is. And uh, I grew up in Jacksonville. Um, guys, if you're from Jacksonville, go Duval. All love right. the Jaguars. Right. Yep. I, I grew up in Jaguar in, in Jacksonville and loved it. And, and kind of grew up in a traditional household initially. You know, my dad was there hardworking, walked to work, you know, left the car with my mom and we had, I have four other siblings, and so it's five of us. And so I saw my dad just really grinding it out every single day. But after a while, I saw things start changing. My dad went from being a casual drinker to a heavy drinker, from heavy drinking to marijuana, from marijuana to cocaine and cocaine to crack cocaine. And man, I saw just my family, you know, and guys, you talk about, sometimes we talk about the sin in our lives and 
and we think it only affects us. But man, when I saw that happen, it pulled my entire family down. And so, and so when my dad um, did that, and and as a young man, I was just so bitter. And uh, I was like, I just remember saying, you know what? If he's going to leave our family like that, I'm just I'm just going to go out and do whatever I want. And that's what happened. Um, Hold on for see, a second, Ken. How yes. old were you when Dad started to head down that road towards mm. coke and crack, and eventually, you know, basically uh, a, a full full blown blood, blood, drug addiction? It, yeah, it probably started at eight years old, uh-huh. and he moved out probably when I was about thirteen. Oh, and man. so five years of five years of, and, and I know some guys out there can probably identify with this. Um, seeing him come home drunk. You know, Friday night was like the worst night because he's supposed to be bringing a paycheck home and no paycheck. And so it just it it was just, you know, horrific on Friday night as a kid, you know, just kind of laying in bed and putting a pillow over my head and just like, man, okay, I wish this gets passed. And so and so it was about that length of time. And so when he moved out, it just completely changed our world. um, And now you got a single mom with five kids who are just trying to. Yes. How's she going to pay the bills? Yes, well, it, well, and she couldn't. Of course. Uh, and so we 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 moved in with my grandmother, uh, which is probably about the size, man, almost like a twenty by twenty, a twenty by forty. Uh, and we, house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we're living there, trying to trying to make ends meet, and it's actually in the back of a house, so it's not really a house. It's just like one room in a house. And man, I just remember getting so angry, and uh, man, I just turned to the streets and went out and did a lot of things that I regret now. And uh, it was just, it just got really, really bad. And then I said, you know what? I, I got to get out of here. I'm going to be dead in jail on drugs if I don't get out of this place. And so that's when, you know, I joined the Marine Corps at 17. Ken, man, I, I didn't know this about you. My story and your story are very similar when we start talking to the military, because I'm in my hometown Everyone is on drugs. Everyone is making mistakes. My buddy in high school, without even mentioning it, joined the army like the day before. We're we're both seniors in high school. The day before he signed up and joined the army. And the next day he came and told me, hey, I joined the army and you should think about joining the army too. And I never, ever considered it (laughs) until my buddy Tony signed up. But like you, Mm -hmm. Ken, what I was... That is the first day in my life I started thinking, if I don't find a way out of this town, I'm going to be dead in a ditch or I'm going to be in prison. And the only way out is a free plane ticket paid for by the United States Army. So that day I went to a recruiter's office. I'd never considered it for 30 seconds before this. And that was the day I went to the recruiter's office because like you, I realized if I keep going down the road that all of my friends are going down, I know exactly where they're going to end up. And unfortunately, a lot of the guys killed themselves from drugs or they are in prison today. Yeah. So man, the army radically turned my life around. Incredible. Incredible. Awesome. Awesome. When you showed up at the recruiter's office, what was your goal? What besides getting away from (laughs) the trouble, what did you want? What were you looking for in the Marine Corps? Hey, for all the Marines out there, I was saying, man, please don't brainwash me. <laughs> so I was like, you know, yes. I, I, I love my service, but man, I was thinking like, man, you guys aren't going to brainwash me, right? All so right. I, I'm going to be the there. one guy who finishes with yeah. an Eagle Globe and anchor on my That's collar, right. but That's, not brainwashed. 
That's right. That's right. And so, man, I mean, I show up to the recruiters office. They're already in there doing push-ups and stuff. And I'm thinking like, man, this, this is crazy. But I, I talked to the recruiter and the recruiter, man, he just, he helped me, you know, he just kind of walked me through some steps and, and, uh, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm, 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 I'm just jumping out the plane. I'm not thinking about it. I'm just, I'm just jumping. And, uh, and man, that, that was probably the most trans, one of the most, besides accepting Jesus as my personal savior, one of the most transformational things that has ever happened in my life. Um, God used that in a very, very special way. Um, gave me some discipline opportunities for advancement, um, three meals a day in a bed. Uh I was like, man, I don't get this at home. I was like, so it was, it was like one of the sweetest deals that I got, but you know, I want to, I want to share with you too, how it kind of got off track, went off the rails after that. So was your first, uh, first assignment in the Marine Corps in Camp Lejeune? Is that where you were first stationed? Yes, that was my first station. Uh, I was in, with an artillery unit, uh, 3rd Battalion, 12th Marines, uh, there in Camp Lejeune. And, and man, when I got there, these guys had just came from the Persian Gulf and they were oh, going yeah. back. And 91? so, yep, uh-huh. I, yep, yep. And so I jumped on a boat with them and took right back off with them and went back out to the Persian Gulf. And man, Jeff, when I got back, you know, hey, I've got my overseas deployment ribbon. You know, we we've seen some light combat action. I'm like, I'm thinking, like, man, I have I have I arrived, have right? Hit man, yes, right. I, I have, have arrived. arrived. I've hit my manhood, yep. and so that was my feeling. But but that was also the beginning of my downfall, right there. That was that was the start of my downfall because right. pride it starts sinking that. in. Yeah, pride it starts sinking in, and. And man, I'll tell you, I started hanging around some people, you know, and it was almost like guys, it was almost like hanging around guys that I used to hang around in the street, just in uh-huh. a different place, yeah. a different environment. Yeah. With a different the, haircut, the more basically. I, that's right, with a different haircut. And so I started hanging around these guys and man, the more I hung around, the worse it got, the people that I started involving myself with. And I had my first sergeant call me in and he's he says, hey, uh, Corporal Bevel, he says, I'm going to tell you. He says, man, I know who you're hanging with. I know what you're doing. He says, if you don't stop it, he's like, we're going we're to court-martial you. I, he says, no qualms about it. I'm looking at his desk, Jeff, and I see all the evidence he needs, you know, all of the stuff that I've been doing outside of the base. And if you've ever been to Camp Lejeune, it's 20,000 Marines all in one area. So there is no lack of tomfoolery in the background. So he's got all this evidence. And so, and I, and as a young youngster, I was like, man, he'll never catch me. They, you know, they've got the evidence, but they'll never catch me. But little did I know two weeks later, he, later, he called me back in his office and he says, I told you to stop. He says, people like you really don't listen until it's time to face the music. So he told me to stand at attention and when he, I stood at attention, he started reading me my right. Reading the courts, right? Courts martial, yeah. That's it. And I'm thinking to myself, I have really screwed up this time. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And I was a sergeant for many years in the Ranger mm-hmm. Regiment. I had about a dozen guys that they had all of the talent, all of the potential. Literally, there's nothing on the planet that they couldn't accomplish, but they started running with the wrong crowd. Because every military base right outside the front gate is pretty much the same, <laughs> just about everywhere in town yeah. or everywhere in the country. Yeah. And there's lots of trouble waiting for you if you want it. And 
more than a couple of them I had to let go or even separate from the army for the sake of not putting them in prison. And I looked them in the eyes and said, I would give my right arm today if it would turn your life around, but I can't do that for you. And apparently you're not willing to do it. So I'm going to do something for you that I, something to you that I really, really don't want to do. And I've, I've given you 50 chances to turn things around, but now this is going to be ugly. And that's the moment where they start realizing, oh, I wish I could go back and undo all those mistakes, but you can't, it's too late now. You can't, it's too late now. Well, well, Jeff, I, well, Jeff, I'll tell you, man, you know, for me and my story, that's where God stepped in and man, he gave me mercy. And I tell people, man, I was, I was guilty by all sense of me. I was guilty. I had been to see the Colonel. I was, I was as guilty as the day is long. And man, Jeff, I just remember the, the barracks and everything. It was on H street in Camp Lejeune and they used to call it the bottom. And so I go back to my barracks room and man, I'm thinking like, man, my life is done. Yeah, because if, if it's not the Marine Corps, what do I have to go yeah. fall back on, right? That, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So I'm thinking my life is done. I'm an embarrassment to my family because I'm the mm -hmm. first person that ever had a chance to get out of this situation. Um, my friends, I mean, I'm just, the devil is like, he's playing up every every emotion to try to get me to move to the next level. And, I, and when I say that, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the first things I thought about, I, I thought about three things. The first one was committing suicide because I just couldn't deal with the shame of this. This, this was just too shameful to walk through. But I thought about, I was like, no, I can't do that because I was just, I just, I said, I can't do that. Second thing I thought about, I said, I'm just going to go UA. I'm going to get in my car uh, and go as far and as fast as I can go. And I'm just going to get away from the situation, let it blow over. And I was like, nah, I can't do that. I'm like, I'm just a Lance Corporal. I'm an E3. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have that much money to go that far. And so that was ruled out. But then I thought about something, Jeff, my mom had always told me, and uh, my mom had always stayed in church. And, uh, and so she said, son, the day that you hear the Lord's voice, don't harden your heart. And, and I got down on the, on, on my knees in that barracks room after I just finished talking with first sergeant. And I said, God, if you're real, I need to know right now. I said, you know, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, now God, this isn't one of those situations that where, Hey, if you get me out of it this time, That's I right. promise I'll yeah, go to church right. next week. Yeah. You know, it, it, guys, y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, you go from those stages and you're like, God, if you get me out, I right. promise I'll do it. But this time I was, I was serious. I said, God, if you're real, I need to know. And just like the scripture talks about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that will keep our heart and mind in Christ Jesus, man, I felt a peace in that room that I had never felt before. And, and it was almost like God himself. And I'm saying, I'm not saying God, it was God himself standing in the room, but it felt like God himself was in the room with me telling me it was okay, going to be okay. And you could walk through this. And I said, okay, I'm just going to man up to everything I've done and just walk through this. And man, when I got up, I could tell my mind was different, but the situation was still the same. And so, so that night, 
was hands down one of the most transformational times in my life, man, where it felt like God himself was just right there in the room with me, um, you know, working with me, talking to me, loving on me, you know, and it was just, it was just incredible. I want to go a little bit deeper here because I got this image of you standing in front of the first sergeant as you're being read your rights. You know, this man, this first sergeant, he cares deeply about me and he doesn't want to ruin my life, but he's also going to do the right thing. And you also know I'm guilty. I can't really try to blame my actions on somebody else. Those two things alone separate a lot of guys that their life turns around when they hit rock bottom versus other dudes that when they hit rock bottom, they just stay there. And sometimes, unfortunately, they stay there forever. They stay there for good. That's right. Because they start looking right. for somebody else to blame. In your case, I got That's nobody right. else to blame. It is my No fault. one else to blame. And it's yeah, not absolutely. like this guy's after me to try to punish me. He cares about me. And he really wanted to change. He wanted me to ch turn things around before it got to this point, And I didn't. That's right. That's so right. It's, That's right. There's a phrase in the Bible that says it is the love of God or the grace of God that draws men to repentance. It's not him standing up like a judge in a courtroom, banging a gavel and saying, you're wrong and you're a bad boy. It's more him saying, come on, man, why are you doing this to yourself? And I want so much more for you. I love the imagery you're painting right now, Ken, of you're in this barracks room at the at the bottom of the barrel in Camp Lejeune and thinking, I got nowhere to go. If it's not the United States Marine Corps, I got nothing. If it's not Jacksonville, North Carolina, where Camp Lejeune is, I certainly got nothing waiting for me back in Jacksonville, Florida. And <laughs> That's I got, right. That's I got no right. future. Like for you, this is it. My entire life is coming down to this moment and it doesn't look yes. good. Yes, yes. But Jeff, you know what I'm grateful for is man, in that moment, as God is showing me mercy, he opens up a door and and man, I've got to share this with you. So, so I get up from that moment in that barracks room, dust myself off and like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm still meeting with investigators. I like this air I'm quotes. Still, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna man do, up. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna, gonna face the, the face the charges. Um, right. I'm just gonna do it. And uh, and so, man, I'm going to investigations. I'm just walking through all this stuff. And and man, I'm I'm in Jacksonville, North Carolina. If you've ever been there, the Walmart out there on Western Boulevard. Been there? Know exactly what yeah, you're talking about. Yep. And so, man, I'm walking through the parking lot and I see three guys. And of course, you know, man, hey, I spent time in the hood hood. I mean, when I'm growing up, when I see people walking toward me, it's like it's two things is getting ready to happen. You, you know what's about I'm going happen. to the hospital or yeah. you going to the hospital. Right. Yes, yes. And so these guys walk up to me and they say, hey, hey, man, can we talk to you for a second? And I said, sure. And uh, and they said, has has anybody ever told you about Jesus Christ? And have you ever given your life to Jesus? And I said, what? This is right after kneeling down yes. in the barracks room. Two, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks time frame went what? between that. And so these guys, they said, and they shared Christ with me right there in that Walmart parking lot. And man, I gave my life to Christ at Walmart on Western Boulevard in Jacksonville, North this Carolina. I, is I, beautiful. 
Listen, I tell guys you can get anything from Walmart. Salvation is on aisle nine <laughs> at the top shelf. Oh, it's there. I love this. <laughs> so, so man, I get saved in that parking lot in Jacksonville, North Carolina, and man, it was like God said, "Okay, now you're ready. I've got your attention. You've given me your life. Now you're ready." And man, it was like being on one of those ruck marches, Jeff, where everybody's trying to keep up and God is like, hey, I've got somewhere for you to be and you don't have time to waste. And so, man, we started running at a incredible, incredible pace. But I got to tell you what happens after that, because it just gets the story just gets well, even I, I crazier hear and better. But first, yes. do you do you know who these three guys are? Did you ever have any contact with them before or after this? Never had any contact with them before. I went to their church maybe once or twice after that. But, you know, I'm going through all this stuff. And it's just, I, Three you know, I can't, I can't tell you who they were. Three walk up to you in a Walmart yeah. parking lot. It yeah. doesn't get any better than this. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I'm praying. You know, I went back to speak in Jacksonville, North Carolina a few years ago. And I'm, I'm telling this story. And I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, I pray that one of these guys oh, are man. out here. Absolutely. In the audience. Yep. <laughs> yes, yes. So, but uh, no, I've never met. Almost them. the yeah. same thing happened to me at 13 when my neighbors came by to talk to me and for the first time ever introduced me to Jesus and who he was. And I don't remember their last names. In fact, I only remember the neighbor couple, the, the husband's first name. And for the for the last 30 years, I've been trying to track these guys down and say, mm. do you have any idea what happened to me <laughs> after you left my apartment yeah. that that night? Wow. Like Jesus radically, totally, completely did something for me that I couldn't do for myself. And it is because you had the courage to go come knock on my door that my life is very different. So I tell my children, I don't even know their last names, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to make a beeline for these two. And I'm going to be like, hey, man, because of you, because you were faithful, I heard it and it and it hit it hit my soul and God used it to change my life. So what happens next, man? You said that there was a there's another part of this story that you got to tell. everybody. Yeah. So, so here it is, man. So I'm, so I'm so I'm I get saved, you know, start going to this church maybe once or twice. And and man. The lady shows up to our base. Her name was, I can remember her name, Gunnery Sergeant Joyner. She was the aunt of a friend of mine who was also serving in the Marine Corps. And she is the monitor, or if you're in a different service, the detailer uh, who sends people to different places. And so she shows up. She says, hey, you're Corporal Bevel. I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, I heard about your situation. I heard about what you're going through. She said, I want to tell you that they're going to drop the charges on you and you're able to go in. Yes. And I'm here to send you wherever you want to go now. Now, Jeff, I'm backing up because, like I said, I'm guilty. You put me in front of any court martial. They look at the evidence. Yep. He's guilty. Yeah. Um, And man, she said they have dropped the charges. Here it is again. This first sergeant showing mercy it had to be him wow in the background showing mercy saying and you know i wasn't privy to the conversation i wasn't i didn't know what conversations were going on in the background but someone was an advocate someone was saying this guy 
I know he's in a difficult situation. He's got himself in a really, really bad place. But I truly believe if we can get him out of here, things will change in his life. And, um, and man, I'm telling you, it did. She, she moved me 6,000 miles away to Okinawa, Japan. And uh, God started putting me around other guys and um, just changed me radically. Changed my life radically. Taught me about how to pray, how to treat, you know, my relationships, how to how to be truthful and honest in my dealings with people. And uh, man, it was just it was a phenomenal way that God used those men in that search that situation to change my life. And that forever happened. grateful. That started happening for you when you're in Okinawa. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, and it so sounds like, it sounds like you not only had Gunnery Sergeant Joyner and advocate, yes. but you had the advocate yes. on your side. Too. Yes, um, that's right. The Holy right. Spirit was advocating for you. That's right. And letting that's your chain right. of command know that Ken is a good Marine if we can get him through <laughs> yeah. this mess that's that he's right. made of his life. That's right. That's right. That's right. And Jeff, that just paints a you know a beautiful picture about the Savior. Um, when Jesus died on the cross for us. We were guilty as charged. I mean, just absolutely guilty of sin. No person, the Bible talks about, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one perfect. No, not even one. And Jesus Christ steps up as our advocate and says, you know what? I know he's guilty, but I see something good in him. I see that this is a person whom God loves deeply, and we want to do something and that something is allowing him to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior and through him have a new life. And so, man, that I look at my story and I think about how Jesus saved my life, man. And I just like, God, thank you because you didn't have to do that. God, just thank you for changing my life and uh, just making me a new man. And so, man, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful, Jeff. Again, the last five minutes of this episode, I want to talk about your, you know, how your career ended in stepping into ministry, but I can't do that uh, right now without just pausing for a second. There is a dude who's driving and listening to this episode. There's a guy who's in his workshop and he's listening to this episode. And what he's saying is, Ken, what you're describing when you were in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina is exactly where I am right now. And I can't fix it and I'm wrong, and my mess is my fault, and I can't point the blame anywhere else, and I don't know what to do next. So I'm just going to stop for a second and let you take over and say, Ken, talk to that guy and tell him what he needs to do. Well, man, I'm going to tell you, if you're listening right now, the first thing you need to know is that the Lord loves you. The reason that you're listening today is because the Lord loves you, and his desire is for you to turn completely around and repent from your sins. And I'm not talking about when guys talk about, well, I'm just going to make a 360. The Lord wants you to do a 180, turn from the direction that you're going, repent of your sins and turn to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you guys what that looks like. The Bible talks about in Romans, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. He says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, the Bible says that you shall be saved. Well, saved from what? You're saved from an eternal damnation, but also sin's grip on you. Do you, do you. do you realize, you know, as you're listening, you realize that, man, I'm in a difficult situation and my life just feels like I have no control over it. 
And God, I want to I want to give you some hope today. So when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you confess with your mouth and you truly believe it in your in your heart, the Bible talks about, man, you are now a new man in Christ. What that means is sin no longer has hold on you. You are not bound by the issues of your past. You are now a new man. Matter of fact, our pastor talked about that this this weekend a new man, a man that has never been created before. You're not made wow. over. You are wow. a new man in Christ. Away with the old, in with the new. And then the Bible talks about repenting of your sin and placing faith in Jesus Christ. And matter of fact, guys, if you are where, wherever you are right now, man, just take a moment, pull over to the side of the road, Ask God for forgiveness. God, I apologize. God, please forgive me of my sins. Accept me as your child. Make my life new through Christ, not by doing things. But Lord, make my life new through Christ. I confess my sins. Make me new. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And guys, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. It's not you trying to do more try harder, be the best. It's not about that. Guys, the true, the true walk in Christ is about surrender. It's about surrender, waving the white flag of your life and say, God, I, I surrendered on trying to do this myself. Jeff just mentioned it. I mentioned it. It's, it's surrender. Just do that today, guys, wherever you are. And, and we would love to hear about it. Send Jeff a message. We would, we would love to know if Christ has changed your life because I'm telling you, brothers, it's changed mine and it's changed Jeff's and I encourage you to join in. Ken, I couldn't have done it any better. I couldn't have said it any better. And for the, all of the listeners out there that heard that and you were serious and you prayed that, I want to make a promise to you that comes straight from the Bible. And that promises if you believed, if you really did confess, and if you meant it, yes. God heard it and yes. he will yes. honor it. And yes, you're hearing yes. from two guys right now who yes. our lives were a mess and it was 100% our fault and neither one of us turned it around. Neither one of us fixed it. Jesus stepped in and turned us around and saved. I use this language. Jesus, when he said, I will save you, he was talking about, Jeff, I will save you from Jeff yeah. because you are Amen. the worst Amen. enemy. I'll save you from That's yourself. Right. Um, <laughs> and right. I'm, I'm convinced right. that he is still in the uh, still doing that and he's doing that for somebody who's listening to this episode right now. Anybody who's listened can tell, all right, Ken not only is an incredible warrior and, a, yeah. uh, you know, was a great Marine, but yeah. Ken also uh, has transitioned into the ministry um, and is now serving Jesus's church right there at Sherwood in Albany, Georgia. Come see him sometime if you're in the area. Um, but Ken, with the last couple of minutes, let's talk about what that transition looked like for you, because I, like you, uh, took the uniform off and started serving in the church. And it, it was a, it was a bigger transition than I expected. Um, but I couldn't imagine doing anything else. So describe a little bit of what, how that transition was for you. And then just wrap up with what you're doing now at Sherwood. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, the transition, I, I just have to be honest, the transition was a little bit difficult. You know, you go from leading Marines and telling people what to do to now That's dealing right. with volunteers is, I'll do it if I feel like yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yep. And so, but it, it's been it's been great. Uh, I've been in the ministry here for 15 years, and uh, you know, off the heels of a great pastor, Pastor Michael Cad. If you if you know him, great mentor, great leader, um, and he was phenomenal. He passed away 
uh, almost a year ago now. And uh, we have a new pastor here uh, a couple years ago. And, and then we have a new pastor, Paul Goddard, who is a phenomenal, phenomenal pastor. And so I serve under his leadership today. And, uh, and so I'm the Connections and Local Missions pastor uh, there at Sherwood. And so uh, I'm grateful the Lord gave me a chance to, to be in ministry and just kind of see people's lives transformed on a daily basis. I know a little bit of what yeah. your role is, but describe yeah. what the Connections and Local Ministry Pastor does yeah. in, in all that. Connect, absolutely. Connections, I'm, I'm connecting, trying to connect people with a big church. Our, our church is a nice size, and so I, I, I spend a lot of my time trying to make sure people are connected. But the really cool part of my, my job is, is all, it, you will probably never hear me say this as Marine, but I feel like an Army Ranger just being yeah. dropped into like a drop zone. And, yeah, right. And so... I, the Lord has gifted me and given me an opportunity to go in some of the worst, worst neighborhoods in Albany, Georgia, traps, if you know that terminology, uh, abandoned houses, uh, housing encampments. And man, I get to go in and I get to share the good news of the gospel with people on a daily basis. This morning, Jeff, we had a Bible study, 35 guys who were either addicts, uh, staying in abandoned houses, uh, and man, just sharing the good news of Christ with them. And so, man, I get a chance to do that on a daily basis. And uh, the Lord is using that. And so um, everything I just told you about my experiences, just like God is using every bit of that, every bad thing and every good thing yeah. for his glory. And I want to tell guys, God will do the same to you. Absolutely. He'll use every bad thing and every good thing for his glory if you submit it to him. Yeah, our God is big yeah. enough. Our God is good enough that he can take all of those mistakes and all of the talents and, uh, you know, good things of your life, and he can all turn them all and use them for his kingdom. I did not miss, and I'm guessing the listeners didn't miss your language when you said, I get to go into crack houses. I get to go into back alleys. I get to go into the place that nobody else even wants to go to. Uh, you know, nobody else can be forced into. And you get to go in there because of your time in the military and your time in the ministry now. And you get to bring the love of Jesus in there is really what you get. To that's do. right. That That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So it's been, a, it's been exciting. Yeah. I knew this interview was going to be fun. Um, I love hanging out with you and talking to you. Thank you for giving me some time for, as a very Good busy deal, pastor with a lot yeah. of ministry to do. Thank you for giving me some time today. And man, God's blessings to you. And please tell Luana I said, hey. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yes. Love you, man. Take care. I'm praying for you. All right, Thanks, man. Love you too. Hi, brother. Wow. I got mad respect for Ken. He is, to this day, a guy that I look up to. And Ken, thanks again for just being real and honest with everybody on this episode. If you were in your workshop, if you were driving, if you were listening to what Ken said, and all of a sudden you started to realize he's describing me, and I need what he's talking about. If you prayed a few minutes ago and you were very serious about surrendering your life to Jesus, I want to know about it. Would you please reach out to me? Message me on social media and just let me know. Jeff, I prayed for the first time in my life. I prayed that prayer and I need to know what to do next. I'd love to follow up with you. I'd love to talk to you more about it. 
You see, what I want to do is encourage you and equip you for whatever life throws your way. And Ken even said it, listen, your mind has changed, but your circumstances are going to be different tomorrow. So you're going to need a couple of good dudes or some strong gals around you to help you get through those tough circumstances. It's because of times like that, that I wrote a little booklet called The Unbeatable Army Survival Guide. And I will give you the booklet. It's a PDF download and I will give it to you totally free just to keep you motivated and encouraged when life gets hard. If you want that booklet, why don't you just go ahead and go over to unbeatablearmy.com. Simply give us your information and we will give you access to that survival guide for free. And if you're listening to this podcast for the first time and you like what you heard, why don't you go ahead and subscribe however you get your podcast on YouTube or any of those audio sources. If you aren't already following us, why don't you go ahead and search for us on social media at Unbeatable Podcast. Just search at Unbeatable Podcast and go ahead and follow us because you're going to hear other comments from amazing people. You're going to run into some pretty amazing people that are part of this Unbeatable Army. And if you're part of the Unbeatable Army and following us on social media, you're going to run into our fan of the week this week, a guy by the name of Samuel White Eagle Sr. And Sam, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for following us. Thank you for being loyal. Thank you for being a part of the Unbeatable Army. Guys, thanks for tuning in to this very special episode with Ken Bevel. And I'll see you right back here next week with another amazing guest. God bless These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life and become unbeatable.